Hello, welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am your host, Max Patillo. Week 7 in the books, and we are almost halfway through the year. So it's uh, pretty exciting. We're learning a lot week by week, and thank you for listening uh, and following along with me. It's been really fun so far. So I really enjoy uh, reading about history. Uh, recently, I was reading about how humans have conquered the world because they're the only species to be able to cooperate at a large scale to advance and shape the world to their benefit. And, you know, it wasn't the discovery of fire. It wasn't that we had better tools or even bigger brains. I mean, scientists have actually discovered our brains have gotten slightly smaller in the last 50,000 years. But it was actually our ability to work together in large numbers to not only survive, but thrive. You know, our our human teamwork led to agriculture, which led to civilization and cities, and which led to government and countries and, and so on. All because humans were organized to all pull in one direction. This is how humans win. This is how you win in battle, how you win in business, how you achieve massive dreams. You do it together. The more your team is organized and all pulling in the same direction towards your goal, the better chance you have to win. And this is no different in football. And in fact, I don't think there's any better example of this than football. This is the most team-oriented sport with, I mean, in the NFL, consisting of, you know, a 53-man roster, a coaching staff, your practice squad players, your front office, your scouts, owners, and even facility workers. You know, that's a lot of people. And the more you can get each one of these people on the same page in pursuing a championship, the more likely you are to achieve that. Um, And this is culture. This is everyone buying in. So your team must have buy-in. You can have all the talent in the world, but if your personnel isn't bought in, you won't win championships. And Jalen Ramsey, he was no longer buying into the Jaguars. He no longer believed. You know, he he was faking his, he was obviously faking his back injury, calling out sick for practice, you know, garbage like that. And, you know, he's probably the most talented corner in the league. But you got to send him packing. You know, Odell Beckham, no longer bought into the Giants. He's arguably the most talented whiteout in the league. Goodbye. Even Khalil Mack. The Raiders probably will never find a better player than Khalil Mack. And he very well could be the best player the Raiders have ever had. But he didn't want to be there anymore. And goodbye. And that's the right decision. I mean, even it looks like Khalil Mack maybe buying out of the Bears soon too, 
if their defense keeps getting steamrolled like they did this week. And this is the point, you know, guys who choose to buy out and not believe, they tend to keep doing so over and over again when adversity hits. Just trade them. Let them walk. Goodbye. We need warriors who do their job in order to win. Whoever walks through the doors in New England knows this. This is the culture they have built. When people come to Cleveland, on the other hand, they try to fabricate a culture off nothing but hype. Instead of sticking their heads down, picking up their oars, and rowing their ship to victory. It's doing the little things really well over and over again. Doing your assigned task to perfection. You know, Bill Walsh, legendary coach with the Niners, he used to say if each person, and I'm paraphrasing, but if each person focuses on every detail of their duty, the scoreboard will take care of itself. And this is true in everything we do in life. It's one day at a time, one game at a time, one play at a time. And so, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about team building and positional priorities and and so on. But it's also about what kind of culture you're building that's just equally so important, if not more important. Uh, if you bring in a bunch of knuckleheads who cause distraction on and off the field and you don't have the culture built to make those guys fall in line, you've got no chance no matter how talented you are. I mean, and this is this has been the Cowboys over the years. This has been Cleveland now. This has been the Niners' downfall the past seven years when they bought stock in knucklehead coaches and players, and they probably got a knucklehead owner too, honestly. And they turned a franchise with tremendous past glory into a bottom dweller uh, most of this decade. And this is a good time to transition to talk about the Niners. I mean, they're they're 6 and 0 and it's very impressive considering they are them. They've been cellar dwellers so long. It's like you ask you how how has this happened? You mean is it is it the quarterback is it Garoppolo? Uh no. Their offense has been below average. And he has seven touchdowns and six interceptions in six games, which may be the worst stats I've ever seen for a QB making that kind of money. It's unreal. And, you know, it's not it's not Garoppolo. It's definitely not him. Um, maybe it's the coaching. Maybe it's Kyle Shanahan is the offensive guru. But, like I said, it's not the offense. So, who's their defensive coordinator who's in charge of their defense oh it's Robert Salah oh wasn't he with the Seahawks when they won a Super Bowl just you know about six years ago oh yeah he was he learned defense from Pete Carroll they're winning with Pete Carroll's defense and not only that but with Richard Sherman I mean which shouldn't Surprise, because it's the defense that has terrorized and dominated the Niners for a decade. 
I mean, if you can't beat them, join them, right? And so, you know, that being said, I, I don't buy the Niners still. Um, by far, the best QB they have faced is Jared Goff, and their combined opponent record is 11-28. and 28. You know, the six teams they've played have a combined 11 wins, and the Rams have four of those. So you can see they haven't played anybody yet is basically what I'm getting at. I still don't buy them. I still have just seen too much um, garbage play from them over the years. And I know things change fast, and they've already got six wins. It's incredible. They're going to have maybe a 10-win season this year, Be although the schedule does get much harder. So I still don't buy the the Niners, but maybe I'll be totally wrong wilder things have definitely happened but they only scored nine points against the Redskins this week so I'll just leave it at that for now and speaking of the Redskins I just I want to I've been wanting to touch on this because it's funny how often I hear about the Shanahan coaching tree from the Washington Redskins so that's Mike Shanahan who was a, is a great coach in his own right. He's done, accomplished many things. You know, he had two Super Bowls with the Broncos, and he's bounced around a lot, but he's a good good head coach, no question. You know, and uh, he was in, for a few years in Washington, he, he had his son, uh, Kyle, uh, who's now the Niners coach. He had Sean McVay, now the Rams coach, and Matt LaFleur, who's now the Packers head coach. Wow. You know, with all those brilliant offensive minds in one room, all the people who everyone gushes over these young, game-changing offensive coaches, they must have had dominated in those years at Washington. You know, all I hear about is the, the Shanahan coaching tree and how they had all this incredible coaching talent in in those years in Washington, the Redskins. And I'm always like, the Redskins? Why weren't they any good? So I looked, and it they've resu- it resulted all those coaching gurus. It resulted in one playoff appearance in 2012. You probably remember it. That was RG3's rookie year. He took the year, took the lead by storm, and you probably remember also that they ran him into the ground. Those gurus, and he was never the same since. And they got bludgeoned by another rookie named Russell Wilson in that game. And that was it. And that was all it amounted to, all the all those coaching masterminds. And all that incredible coaching talent, they were still just the Redskins, who were a joke franchise. It's funny the rhetoric that that's created over time and just snowballs into false truths that people just believe in in passing instead of really thinking about it and questioning that rhetoric that's a big reason I wanted to do this podcast because you know we question everything and you won't hear this from the big shows and the media because if they don't hype these teams and players and coaches people might not be as excited about how they think their teams are and 
won't be as interested. You know, the big thing is like the NFC East teams, the that's the Cowboys, the uh, Giants, Redskins, and Eagles. Every year, they are the most hyped teams you'll ever hear. And why is that? It's because they're in the Northeast. And the Northeast has a ton of people, ton of football fans, ESPN, Fox, all those news networks. They've got to elevate those teams. So those fan bases listening in, and you get eyeballs that way. It's just about getting eyeballs. It's not about reality. It's not about how good those teams actually are. That division, frankly, it sucks. The the Cowboys are a joke. We watched last week. They they lost to the Jets, and they got whooped by the Jets. And the Jets just last night lost thirty three to zero to the Patriots. And the Cowboys they go ahead and they destroy the Eagles. So the Jets destroy the Cowboys, and the Cowboys destroy their divisional opponent, the Eagles. The hype train is just getting out of control here, if you get my point. The, the Patriots dominated the Jets, who dominated the Cowboys, who dominated the Eagles. It's just a trickle down that, like, and the, the Giants are garbage every year. The Redskins are garbage. The NFC East is a joke, and it's always the most covered team on ESPN Sports Center you'll ever see. It's all hype because it brings eyeballs. Those fans want to hear about their teams in the Northeast, and ESPN is in Connecticut, and that's there in the Northeast. Bias, okay? But now, you know, on this show, I, I try not to show too much bias. Everyone has biases, and I want to do a show about biases too because it's really interesting, the the way the mind works and stuff, but that's kind of explanation for that, you know, you know, it's either the the media is trying to get eyeballs that way, or it's just that they don't want to hurt people's feelings, which obviously, I mean, from this episode so far alone, you know, I don't really care about. So, I mean, you know, but getting back to the <laughs> Redskins coaching tree, I, I mean, both Kyle Shanahan, they got to be, we got to put them like in their special, their their correct category, because these guys have been elevated to crazy heights already, and they haven't done anything. I mean, both Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay were in charge of two of the worst offensive performances in Super Bowl history. Now, granted, they made the Super Bowl, which is awesome. You know, Kyle, as a Falcons coordinator, you know, he was the coordinator uh, who was up 28 to 3 going into the fourth quarter against the Patriots and couldn't even manage a field goal with the MVP Matt Ryan, Muhammad Sadu, Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, and the league's best O line. You know, give me a break. Yeah, they blew it, you know? And so, and, you know, he was the coordinator. And he hasn't been very good so far in San Fran since he's been there either. And he's put on this pedestal. And, you know, like I said, it's the Seahawks defense. It's it's their defense this year, and they're carrying the Niners this year when they're 6-0, and their first successful season so far under Kyle Shanahan. And uh, it's really 
Salah, Robert Salah, who's, who's carrying that team coaching-wise. Um, and so let me get to McVeigh. You know, three points in last year's Super Bowl. Really? That's it? For the media, for the media anointed golden boy, offensive guru, that's that's it. That's really bad. You know, in the in the Super Bowl, which most most likely, you know, probability says you'll never reach it again. You'll never reach the Super Bowl again. And you know, probability wise, your chances are low. And you could only muster a field goal in that game. And by the way, your offense is in decline mode this year, Rams. And then there's Matt LaFleur. I mean, a lot of people probably don't even know who that is. And, you know, I think we can all agree. So he's the Packers coach, first-time head coach. He's a kid. He's a kid coaching Aaron Rodgers, and he got lucky with the spot he's been given. You know, who Aaron Rodgers had a great game this week. I think he had six touchdowns. But it's really, for most of the season, it's been their defense that's carried them as well. Mike Pettin is their D coordinator, and he's he's been a proven coach. He's been a head coach. He's got experience. He's coached a great defense so far this year. Hasn't been Matt LaFour's offense that's carried them to success. But he has Aaron Rodgers, so that's going to make you look good a lot of times. And so that's a lot of history for all of you just to keep in mind and not to run away with the hype we all hear all the time and read about. You know, let's just choose reality. And speaking of reality, let's get to my picks from last week. And they were uh, pretty bad. And so I got to take ownership for some really bad picks. I just, like I said, I, I missed out. I felt like I missed out on the week before. And I think I overcompensated this week with those upsets I picked, I was only one and six on them. The only one I got right was the Saints uh, beat the Bears. The Bears were favored by three at home, and the Saints pretty much dominated that game. So I was right about that one. I was definitely, I I was, I was really wrong, like embarrassingly wrong about these games, and I got to own up to that because. I'm picking upsets. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick upsets because those are the most intriguing picks to make. But, you know, Thursday Night Football was Broncos, Broncos, Chiefs. The Chiefs, even without Mahomes, they still dominated the Broncos. I had no idea Joe Flacco was that bad. He's just a statue back there. Can't move at all. And guys were just crushing him. He made the Chiefs defense look like the 85 Bears. And the Chiefs defense, if you haven't noticed, they're crappy. And Joe Flacco is just getting destroyed. And, man, he the Denver's done. Uh, and I had the Rams losing to Atlanta, my last ray of hope for my Atlanta pick. And the, I, have, I, have, I have to totally throw Atlanta out. They're done. And I was totally wrong about Atlanta. And the Rams dominated them. And Todd Gurley played well, bounced back a little bit. So that was, in, you know, the Atlanta's 1-7 and seven now, and, and they're trading Muhammad Sanu, and we'll get to that in a minute, but they're done. Um, I had the Lions beating the Vikings. Kirk Cousins does it again, four touchdowns. He's played incredibly well, 
And that's probably going to be another runaway hype train pretty soon as the Kirk Cousins is always good for a good hype train. People are going to think the Vikings are world beaters and that'll all come out to them not making the playoffs. <clears throat> They're not going to beat out Aaron Rodgers. They can't beat Aaron Rodgers. They never have. Kirk Cousins can't win the big game. He can put up great stats and beat you know subpar teams, but there'll be a runaway hype train again. Their defense is good, but very overrated. Um, we'll talk later about the Vikings and other episodes coming, I'm sure. But, you know, yeah, I got that Saints bear. I got the Saints right. The Saints are still rolling without Breeze. Just incredible coaching and incredibly built team. Very impressive. The Eagles, I had them beating the Cowboys, and they were just humiliated by the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. And I think the Eagles can still bounce back. Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, but man, they just, uh, they really laid an egg in that game. And, and, uh, you know, it wasn't really Dak. It was just their, their defense and their run game and just playing good football by Dallas. So congrats to them. And there'll probably be another, you know, people bounce back and forth so much, especially on the Cowboys. They're like, so polarizing and don't don't buy into that don't make too much of the cowboys beating the eagles it's just a the cowboys have a lot of tough games coming up and trust me Dak is not gonna look good coming up here you just go look at dallas's schedule see who they're gonna play and you'll be like oh i see what max was saying dallas is gonna look really bad trust me um, I had the Jets beating the Patriots, which is pretty embarrassing. Shouldn't bet against the Patriots too much. I just thought that the Jets took the Cowboys by surprise and really crushed them the week before. Darnold looked good. Their offense looked good. They've got a lot of talent on defense. I thought that the Jets being at home, maybe the emotion of that would get them to put pressure on Brady and and maybe have a, because Brady, I just remember that Patriots-Bills game, and they only won by like one point against the Bills, who have a good defense, and those interdivision games sometimes can result in weird outcomes, because those teams know each other so well, but Bill Belichick just dominated his formerly coached team, the Jets, and now he plays the Browns, and he'll probably dominate them too, because he was fired by the Browns, and well, Patriots just dominate most teams their their defense has only given up uh one passing touchdown this year the Patriots defense which is just absurd and they're they haven't played great teams with great quarterbacks yet but that type of production is just unreal no matter who you're playing in the NFL um so we'll get to some of these trades real quick um some block supposedly Blockbuster trades as we near the trade deadline. Um, Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos, who, like I said, they're done and they're giving up, so they're selling players. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to go to the Niners, who are all buying in, and they the Niners get a good good wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is a good player, and so he should improve their passing game, which has been lackluster, like I talked about. And Jimmy G needs more weapons um, because he's been thrown to the defense a lot. So 
Muhammad Sanu is from the Falcons. They're selling because they're done. And Muhammad Sanu is going to the Patriots to help their wide receiving core out. And that's pretty uh, exciting for the Patriots. They got another weapon. And they just keep on rolling. And the Patriots don't look like they have any obstacle to make the Super Bowl. The AFC is just a joke. Um, You know, that that Baltimore game, uh, Lamar Jackson came in and beat the Seahawks. Really impressive for the second-year player to do that. And the the Seahawks really, um, they gave them... Lamar only scored one touchdown. Their offense only scored one touchdown. Russell Wilson played his worst game of the year. But, you know, they, they fumbled a touchdown. They gave the defense two touchdowns. Pick six by Russell Wilson. And uh, the Ravens might be the next best team in the AFC, you know, like which they're not even really that good. They just are too reliant on the the running quarterback and he's this is just not going to be sustainable uh you know he only had 20 passing attempts he threw for 140 yards against the Seahawks and he just needs to be a little more of a threat in the passing game because you're not going to be able to run for 150 yards and not get hurt and that that's just not sustainable to be that you know RG3 Michael Vick style running back at that size and with the defenses you're going to face and then Mahomes getting hurt in the AFC is just a huge deal it looks like he might be able to come back I don't know what capacity even before he got hurt they haven't really looked the same the Patriots just going to roll they're just going to roll through the AFC roll through the playoffs no one's going to beat them in Foxborough they're going to be in the Super Bowl Um, and so we're going to get to some of my picks for this week and uh hopefully i have some better luck i'm picking upsets i'm only like i said i'm only gonna do upsets and uh i want to get to uh these these picks i've only got two i've only got two this week because i i think most of the most of the rest of the games are gonna be chalk so uh, I see two upsets, and they're actually pretty big ones according to the spread. So we've got um, we've got the Jets and Jaguars. The Jets are going to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's favored by five and a half points, which is a pretty big spread. The Jets just got humiliated by the Patriots, and I still I'm not giving up on the Jets as far as I think they're talented enough to beat people. I think. I am hoping they learned a lot from that game against the Patriots. And the Jaguars, to be favored by 5.5 is just a lot. They're not great. They've got a good defense. They've got Gardner Minshew. But I think the Jets can go in there and, and beat them. So I'm picking the Jets to beat the Jaguars. That's an upset. And then another big one is I have the Panthers beating the Niners. And really... The Panthers, I think they lead the league in sacks, so I think they can get to Jimmy G quite a bit because he's not very mobile, and they're going to hit him a lot. And so, you know, the Niners are favored by 5.5 also. Panthers come in there. It's probably going to be another defensive battle. 
The Niners' offense hasn't been great. Uh, the Panthers' offense, they don't have Cam Newton, but that rookie is playing well and, and winning. And so they can come into and, and beat the Niners. And uh, Christian McCaffrey's playing incredibly well, so they can really pound the rock as long as the Panthers' rookie quarterback doesn't make too many mistakes against a good Niners' defense. Uh, they got a chance to to beat the Niners, and I think they will. So I'm picking Panthers to beat the Niners this week. And that's pretty much uh, everything for the show today. Um, I think uh, next week's going to be an exciting show. It's going to be midseason, which is a big deal. Halfway through, kind of really getting a foundation for who's who in the NFL. And uh, we'll be talking about um, our midseason power rankings we'll revisit those and we'll also have our midseason QB rankings come out again uh, for this halfway through point and uh, yeah a lot going on in the NFL it's been pretty fun and uh, thanks again for listening I look forward to talking to you guys again next week All right, have a good week.